So our vision is to create a world where anyone can take their idea, their business ideas and put them into reality in minutes. Welcome to Mangtas Nation, a podcast for dynamic and driven individuals where we talk about outsourcing, business, entrepreneurship, technology, and opportunities. Hey guys, it's Trish from Mangtas. Don't miss great stories and advice from our guests together with our hosts Jackie Demank and Wato Delbarek, only here at Mangtas Nation. Our guest is the Chief Sales Officer for the Americas at Creatio. In his role as CSO for the Americas, he is driving Creatio's continued growth on two continents. He's the man of digital transformation trends on low-code or no-code quick. And while listeners, without any further ado, help us welcome Mr. Andy Zambito. Hey, Andy, welcome wow. to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I always love the introduction, Brad. I really appreciate you having me on here today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes, we're very, we're very happy to have you today. And so before anything else, Andy, tell us and our listeners a bit about yourself and your background, if you if you may. Sure. You know, I, I, uh, I suppose I came here through a roundabout way. I had a few I'd say there were false starts in my career, but I, you know, was going down different paths. I was going to do a military career, and I was going to do a finance career. And in my uh, early twenties, I, I found myself with an opportunity uh, where the the part I enjoyed most about my work was uh, in the financial world was being out talking to the the clients and the leadership and, and what they were doing. And so I quickly transitioned over to the kind of sales and business development side, and and never looked back. So I've been doing that in a variety of roles from individual contributor uh, on up and I've had the great fortune of, of uh, leading teams and building teams in, in various uh, stages and sizes of organizations. And uh, that's that's the kind of most exciting part for me, I think, is uh, the the building part of, you know, feeling that you're, you're chiseling your contribution onto the foundational building block uh, of a company, which is, you know, mostly why I've focused on either uh, startups or emerging growth uh, markets. And for for the startup markets, is that also always something that you've you've been interested in? Because I can imagine it's complete. Like we're in a startup market, it's a completely different market from companies that are already have already established it themselves is. in their industry. It is. It's a different. It's a different set of challenges. And you know the way I and, and they're both wonderful and amazing. But the, for me personally, I think there's a lot of uh, personal satisfaction and rewards, as I mentioned too. Um, the the challenge of trying to figure something out and then uh, you know understand what's our go to market going to look like and and can we get the traction the product market fit and then how do you grow and scale that it's a different set of, of problems and challenges about how do you you know do this continuously at scale and and uh, and, and and multiply that but um, you know when I for me when I look back on a career I, I want to be able to see that you know these my contributions, my efforts really moved the needle and, and set some foundational framework. And, and that's just a big part of the, the personal building that I guess is inherent in me and in my brand, because it, that's uh, always what's attracted me uh, to the different firms, right? I, I combine that with, I like joining organizations that are part of what I'll consider transformative uh, wave movements in technology. And I combine that with, do they carry a message that kind of cuts across the grain of what everyone else in that space is doing or saying? I, I don't like to align necessarily with just another firm in a space and, and move with the flow and just try to ride the wave. I do want to have, you know, if you're, if you're having sales conversations, right? If you're actually engaging the, the audience all the time, you want to stand out and you want to have something differentiated. At least I do. 
that uh, is more meaningful rather than, you know, ours is a different color, ours is a different price, ours is that, but it's still the same as everyone else's. You know, clearly what you guys are doing in your space is, is net new, right? It's very different and, is, and therefore you have that evangelical element of it. Um, where you know you're you're educating as well as informing, and you know it's it's as if uh, it's what I explain to you know young sales professionals who are getting into it, and you know they often carry this mindset of they're asking their audience to the, this executive to do them a favor and spare a few minutes of their time to kind of hear what we're presenting. I said if you if you do the other, if you're carrying forth that. Um, you know, that new message that you truly believe is valuable and is different from everything else, that it changes your mindset as well. Now, when I engage in that conversation, uh, I can believe, look, I know something that's super important and valuable to you. You don't know it yet. And so in essence, you know, it's like, we're going to do each other this, this favor, if you will. I'm going to bring something to you. And uh, it's a different confidence. It's a different attitude, but it also generates, I think it generates a different conversation. So that's just some of the things that have attracted me in my career as I've progressed. So uh, very interesting. And I have a a follow-up question on that. What do you know today that others don't uh, based on your current business? Uh, Well, I don't know if it's a current business. It's a a, a lesson I've I've had to teach people because again, my my, profession is one of of engaging on the the selling side is I, I try to explain to folks, it's not enough to be right. You can be right in every sense. doesn't mean the audience is going to get in line with everything you've said. I could have the best product, the best message, the best value, the best price, the best team, the best everything, and they can still make a decision that goes a different way. And so it forces you to think about that uh, that discussion of how do I, you know, I don't know if it's convince you, but how do I engage you in a way that uh, that I can still connect with you? Uh, and it's not a matter of, well, if I just say the right pitch, if I just, you know, deliver the right proposal, I should expect an outcome because, of course, this is the right thing to do. Uh, that's not how life works. It's not how relationships work, right? Personal or professional. And uh, so that's just something if you said, what do I what do I know now that I didn't know in the beginning? And, and, uh, for, yeah, go ahead. and why no code? Why are you so passionate yeah. about no code today? This is, uh, I try to, unpack, I have this conversation often because I'm, I'm growing the team rapidly and uh, therefore I'm talking to a lot of, engaging a lot of candidates who aren't coming from this space. And so I, I take a longer way of unpacking it. Certainly you can describe, you know, no code very easily and just say, look, in your personal life, you know, you have kids that are building applications in, in Roblox, building worlds in Minecraft. If you lost your job tonight, you know, by the end of the weekend, you could have stood up a website, e-commerce, dropship doing these things without ever knowing anything technologically and you could have a whole business by, you know, in, in 48 hours. Uh, that's an example of, of no code in, in your personal life, but yet we don't bring that into the professional world. But when I try to unpack why is this such a significant wave movement, I really look at, at my career. And you say, if you think back when I got started, you know, over 20 years ago, there was a lot of technology that was still being built and delivered in the custom software realm, right? I want what I want. It's unique to me. Nobody else is like me. And I, it's my competitive advantage. I'm going to hire people to, you know, to do this, or I'm going to staff up to do this. You certainly got exactly what you were looking for, but by the time you delivered it, your needs had changed and it was a super costly model to either maintain or, or, or keep paying for and had a real long tail of when you got there. So as a software movement, you know, the market essentially shifted drastically to commercial off-the-shelf software, COT software. But in that movement, the, the only real change over 
you know, long set of years in most of my career has been the commercial delivery model of that. Are we doing managed service? Are we doing SaaS? But the actual software itself and the trade-off you made, which says, okay, I no longer want to do this custom build. I'm going to uh, get an alignment with a vendor. That means I'm going to make my trade-offs are going to be, I'm only going to get maybe 70% of what I want today. And I have to really think smartly about my alignment with your roadmap. Because if we deviate, I'm going to get less and less of this. Uh, and if we stay on, and my trade-off is it's industrial strength. Somebody else is thinking about it and I can call you when there's a problem rather than my own team. There's been no other transformational shift. Yet in that same backdrop, there's been a, you know, Apple and the rest have created this mindset of, of apps, right? There's a proliferation of, of need for apps. So now we're in a world where there's 1.7 billion knowledge workers creating a demand for over 500 million applications. And there are literally only 25 million developers in the world. So as a supply and demand model, it's just, it's fundamentally broken. As a software delivery model, it's broken and, it, and it's, it's unsustainable going forward. And it's the evidence of this is, is you know, if you, if you don't already agree with what I've just said, is look around at the last time you've tried to, to build something, the, the availability of the appropriate resources to do it, the cost of getting them, the time it takes to do that, and how, how hard, and, and the competitive market for their, their skills and talents, um, combined with the challenges of always having to still do business on one side, defining requirements for an IT professional on the other and all the things that are lost in translation. So fundamentally, it's a broken delivery model. So we, you have the emergence of, of low code, no code. And this is really, I think it's itself still evolving and it's kind of deviating into two different areas, right? One, one area of focus is saying, uh, well, we can help IT by being a tool set for IT and it can kind of democratize their skill set and you know, make them faster and more affordable. But that's still making it kind of an IT workbench tool and creating this thing where now they're just competing on um, everybody wants to have a tool and whose tool has, you know, which Swiss Army knife has the most blades, right? Wh who can do the most thing horizontally? Because maybe one day I might need that function. That's very different from where I think Creatio approaches this, which is one of the reasons I get so excited by this is because it's very much focused on um, use cases. So how do we solve actual business problems, not just be there in case you're not a solution in search of a problem, but you have an actual challenge in front of you. And uh, looking at it in a, in a way that says, well, how do we engage the business? Right. So your business analyst in the, in the field, in the heart of the business, knows exactly what they want and need. They don't need to translate that to everyone else. And frankly, they want to move at a pace faster than their infrastructure will allow them. And IT has many, many more demands on them now that are, you know, a CIO today is not just can you keep the infrastructure up and running? It's what are you doing to help us drive revenue? What are you doing over here? All while spinning plates, trying to do these other things. So we can solve multiple birds with one stone. Can you have the best of custom delivery? I get what I need and want. It's very tailored to my need. Can I have the best of, of off-the-shelf software, which is, is it industrial strength? Does it have governance? Is it supported? All of these, these things. But now can I do it without any of the drawbacks? Can I do it faster, more affordable? And can I short circuit this, this translation gap between IT and business and say, no, look, these aren't two different groups. You can all come together and work on an initiative. Join us as we change the game of global outsourcing. A platform for businesses to connect and collaborate. A space specially designed for you. You can sign up as a vendor for free. Only here at Mangtas. Your trusted marketplace for business services. Join us now at www.mangtas.com.
So uh, as I was saying, the, the interconnection of, of bringing tech and business together where you actually now have the business driving the delivery rather than these two separated groups that uh, will get there. So I just fundamentally think for, uh, for the marketplace in general, the no-code evolution uh, is, uh, is inevitable. You know, Gartner's uh, made their prediction that 65% of all business applications will be delivered in a low-code, no-code fashion just in the next three years, which in, in the tech world is almost instantaneous. And so that's, uh, this is one of the reasons I, I say that I, I get so excited by, uh, by the space and passionate. So, so, so to summarize, right, I think there are two ways to look at no code, right? So one is where you're a business analyst, you have never coded in your life, and you say, hey, I know what I need to do. Uh, let me just use a no code platform. I no longer need, longer need those techies to do it for me. Then on the other hand, you have the technology guys that now have a tool to visually program, right? And, and yeah. you could look at it from two different angles. So would you agree with that? I would accept that. we're not trying to kind of uh, separate these worlds and, and disaggregate while while it is a, a, a different approach about uh, whether you're just isolating around IT or bringing IT and business. And while you enable business to do this without nearly as much IT, we certainly don't want to alienate the IT audience from taking advantage of this. Because to your point, I mean, they, they have their own uh, great value points they can bring. And one of the unique things we've done at Creatio is allow you know IT to actually be able to get under the covers and still do some things if they really want to, uh, because that's one of the the fears. Is I don't know if it's it's really justified fully, but the the fear that uh, you know by engaging a low code no code platform, I'm not going to be able to do all the bespoke things that I really you know, used to be able to do. So at least in our world, we want to we want to allow that to still happen if if needed and desired, uh, but that the business doesn't need it. You know, a, a prime example that many people. Can and relate to probably is one of the solutions we uh, we deliver. We happen to have built on top of our our solution uh, industry leading world class uh, CRM. And in many people's worlds, they that's something that they all touch, right? Because most business challenges, many of them, uh, engage around how do I uh, attract, acquire, transact, and service customers. If if you ask most people in their CRM world, you know, in the business, right? And that last time you wanted to make any change at all to your process, to your flow, to your screens, your fields, you know, how hard was it? You'd usually get a laugh or a chuckle, and they they they'd say, "Oh my gosh, it was you know, it, it took uh, you know an act of Congress or an act of God, right? We had to." get around the room and all the hands go up as to why you can't do something. The analogy I give is imagine you're driving into work and you have a brilliant business idea of any kind. And you say, okay, get everybody huddled around the boardroom. We're going to you know, hash this out. And the moment you, the, you start opening your mouth, all the hands go up about, uh, we can't do that. Uh, it'll take too long. We have X amount of dollars, or you can't even touch this thing. It's sacred to all these other groups that uh, it's going to be impacted by. Uh, this is what we need to change if we're really going to be a part of the other wave movement that that I think that we've attached to, which is we've all talked about digital transformation as a terminology for years. Uh, I would argue that most people, uh, I'm fond of saying they've been doing digitization rather than digital transformation, right? They've been taking their servers and putting them in the cloud. They've been taking their paper and making it electronic, but they haven't actually transformed much. And COVID is, has really highlighted for many organizations what it means to really transform. Go hit your new banking targets while not being able to open a branch. Okay, I got to fundamentally rethink about what am, I, what am I doing, and I have to transform. And if you combine that with how competitive the marketplace is now, how easy it is for, in that example of fintech, to start overnight 
as just take a slice of your business. I'm going to start an overnight credit card business and all the new college banking people that are entering the world can download it and never talk to anybody, not go through a whole long underwriting process and all the rest. That's disruptive uh, to your space. And if you don't adapt and move quickly, because ultimately what differentiates organizations, and this is Andy speaking, but is their uh, processes. Right. If you especially imagine you're in a commoditized world, right, whether it could be insurance or airlines or whatever it is, right, that seat is a departure from A to B and it's going to take off at, at some value uh, point. Why are the airlines valued differently, have different uh, loyalty, brand awareness, all the rest? I would argue it's because of how they operate. What are their processes? How are they engaging in customers? How are they in, empowering and enabling their employees? All of this is saying that the demand for moving quickly. The demand for transforming, the demand for uh, you know having that that customer engagement, which often is driven by how much you have employee engagement, is forcing the world to rethink how they do things. And if you just put that in the context, as we go back to the previous point of the old software delivery model, when we say every company is now a technology company and software eats the world, what do you do? It, you know, so I don't I don't see. Not just I'm obviously biased because I, I work in this space, but I would argue, you know, what is the alternative, uh, you know, to getting on this and 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 moving towards it? You know, in your space, it's probably similar in some ways to you know to the outsourcing world, right? Because prior, you'd think I have to hire all these people, I have to take this long time of going through interviewing, I have to staff up all these resources, do any job function that they're thinking about doing, and I have to have this core competency in house. Uh, to do it. It's a similar type of movement. I think that you're doing is kind of democratizing what you can do and, and how quickly you can move and how impactful it can be to your business with a different set of economics, a different timeline. Uh, and I think so in the kind of uh, people world, in the functional delivery world, in an area where personal expertise that, that you operate in is, is, uh, is the important commodity. We're, I think, in a similar way, looking at it from a, a technology standpoint of how do you kind of democratize this technology away from it only being an isolated, you know, 25 million developers to say, can we all play a bigger role in this and have direct impact uh, on our needs and wants and not get in a queue just to change something in my CRM, as an example. Uh, I know what I need and empower me to do it. That makes perfect sense. And, and, and actually building software, right? This is actually, it's pretty complex if you think about it, right? So on one hand, you have functional requirements, right? Like you say, use cases, I want to do this. But I think one thing that makes it also complex is a non-functional requirement, right? Considering, for instance, the scale you want to achieve with it, uh, some sort of UX component you want to achieve with it, whatever, right? I guess, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I think there's still a bit of skepticism in the world, where traditional programmers think you can never achieve this, uh, solve mm -hmm. the same complexity that I can with hard coding it, if you may, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you feel that no code, because I think a lot of people think no code is great for hobbyists, but will never mm -hmm. translate to like, you know, a proper business uh, that needs to operate at a certain scale. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that's just a fundamental misunderstanding. And as I mentioned, that's why we even will open up the hood and allow an IDE there for developers just to take away that that uh, that concern. Because again, it's not this is not trying to do away with developers and developers are not going to go away. I mean, we have developers at our firm as well that, that have to build some of these fundamental pieces. But what you're doing is you're building fundamental well, uh, composable building blocks. We have customers that are uh, large established customers. 
that operate very complex businesses who in some cases are t- taking our technology and completely transforming their business and using it as their new operational footprint, meaning we're going to replace all sorts of technology end to end in order to, to use this. You can't fundamentally say that's true at the same time saying it, it's it's not able to do all these uh, bespoke things. In fact, the argument that, that would be given for why some of these firms select us in that case is because we enable more. Right. So if you think about this, the way uh, off the shelf software was historically written was I build it, I own it. I have to know your space. I have to kind of get smart about that. And I am going to give you this kind of locked box of, of things to do. And and you say, OK, well, it was purpose built for my industry. So, you know, this all well and good. Well, as I mentioned, what makes you different from anyone else if you're all using the same cookie cutter block thing? And what makes you believe that I as an outsider developer are going to know your business any better than you? But if I have built that framework and I've built that capability, yes, I can get you going and launched faster and sooner. But if I'm not empowering you with the ability to make it your own, differentiate, do the special sauce that is you, then what have I really brought? I've actually, uh, I would say that the technology that's been delivered today is often at its core moved away from being enablement technology and it's more constraining, meaning you can do any, it's, it's within guardrails. You, you know, it's like uh, Henry Ford, you say, you could have any color car as long as it's black, right? You can do anything as long as it's within my parameters that I've de- defined. And you'll find there are strange parameters in software, like, well, I want to use this field, but it only limits me to 24 characters and I need 25 or whatever it could be, right? And so, yes, yeah, some of these things are changeable, but it's still fundamentally the software envisioned by an outside organization that's providing it to you versus giving somebody composable building blocks. If I argued to you that I could sell you a box of, uh, I don't necessarily love the example, but let's take an analogy of, of Legos, right? If I sold you a box of Legos and on the cover, it's, I don't know, uh, some Star Wars thing and you can follow my map and build the Star Wars thing, does that preclude you then from breaking that down also and taking those parts and building something completely unique in your own, right? You have these fundamental pieces. And now I'm not even limiting you to what's in the box. I'm saying you can have any of the pieces you could possibly want. And as you build these elements, you've built uh, a wing, a steering wheel, other things. You can reuse that, right? So you reuse that over and over again rather than I'm going to build it from scratch each time. So there's, uh, I would say it's the, it's the opposite of constraining. It's the liberation of the, of the IT and the business both to be able to do what they want, do it faster, do it more affordable, and frankly, to iterate. You know, the, one of the challenges with uh, IT projects is that they get limited oftentimes by what's the, what's the ROI on doing this and how big is the case and how many people is it going to impact? Well, that stifles innovation, right? If I, because my, and the reason you have to do that is because the ITQ is so long, right? And the, the cost and time associated with delivering it is so long that we have to be really certain about what we're putting in our top priorities versus can I be iterating and experimenting with some completely new process with some, you know, you guys uh, do a lot of, um, you know, uh, marketing outsourcing all the rest. Like marketing is a prime example of where we hear about A-B testing and taking limited groups and running experimentation. Well, if I said you can't do that, you can't launch a campaign unless you know you're going to get X amount of response from it, you would never do that. And you would never find these brand new areas. So why are we doing that in one aspect of the business and not the other? And maybe to strengthen your point that we are big believers of this. So uh, back on, I think, January 23rd, one, me and my co-founder were having a beer 
uh, here in Singapore, and we thought about the whole Mangtas concept. Ten days, so we started uh, prototyping using no code platform on the next day. Uh, Ten days later, we had. Uh, I think five vendors signed up to our marketplace. And then three weeks later, we had our very first $2,000 project started, right? On an actual working Amazing. marketplace. And we've only prototyped ever since, right? So we are big believers in everything you say. <laughs> no, that, that, that's huge. Well, I, I'm a believer in what you do, right? I mean, because for the same purposes, uh, you know, I've, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've, I've been at startups where I'm person one, right? Define the go-to-market and experiment, right? Well, uh, who is the ideal buyer? Which which title is going to respond to all of this? And you really only have uh, two ways to approach this. Do I uh, hire and build out a team of business development people and we're going to run all sorts of experimentation, but essentially at their expense and mine? Meaning if, if we're wildly off, they're going to not be successful and they're going to be frustrated and not make their incentive compensation. I'm going to be burning dollars and benefits and all sorts of things committed to a program that may be inaccurate. You know, if you... If I'm hiring a sales team and I don't know, is this uh, you know, a, a big ticket item or a small ticket item? Is this going to be a long deployment or a small deployment, a short sales cycle or a long sales cycle? You completely define your sales org differently. So all these downstream implications. So what can, you know, what can I do in a situation like that is I can outsource different demand generation functions, different demand generation styles, different messaging, isolate down on all the different variables that I'm looking to uh, test. And to determine to only bring in house those that financially make sense or um, or make sense from a uh, a knowledge meaning we we need to own this core competency but we don't need to own the execution of it or this other competency uh, and on the flip side even if I did have that how can I flex how can I flex up or down at a much faster rate than going through my normal hiring processes and and making investments and building ROIs and business cases than say let's prove it. We're entering a new market. We're trying a new thing. So I'm, I'm a huge believer, as I mentioned, the same same way uh, as you all. And it sounds like uh, it's served. I, I do it in the, the personal front. You've done it in the technology front. And we've, we've both found ourselves here in this conversation. So amazing. If, if only there were a marketplace where you could purchase such services. <laughs> 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 if only no i think you guys are are, are, are on to something very big as as a movement right there you go get that get that plug i love it but the, for creation and we love it too andy <laughs> yeah, for creation sure. how long have you guys been been around oh the company's been around for for quite a long time you know uh depending on how you how you you view it here you know, as many as 18 years. Uh, now, we haven't been in all of our markets as long. So we're a global company. We've got five offices around the world. Uh, we're headquartered in Boston, Massachusetts. I joined the company a, a little over a year ago as part of building out and our kind of massive growth and commitment to the Americas market. But we started as an organization in Europe. So, when you know, it's a Kind of the opposite journey of some software companies that start here in the U.S. and then then expand globally. We start in Europe and are expanding here. So this is the newer frontier for us, uh, but it's one of the largest software markets in the world. So we're absolutely committed to to growing this uh, exponentially and as rapidly as possible. Uh, but uh, so given that we you know we have a really strong presence, we have you know great analyst uh, engagement, you know. Five Gartner Quadrants, Seven Forrester Waves. So it, uh, you know, I want to help get the word out. I think on on maybe the best kept secret for some markets that uh, that you may be reaching with this podcast. Nice. 
Well, definitely we'll try our best to to get the word out. <laughs> and if you were right now to give an elevator pitch about what Creatio does, Andy, how would you give that to the listeners that are listening to our podcast? Sure. As I mentioned, you know, I unpacked a much longer version of this in the elevator style. This is really about helping organizations uh, be very agile in this digital transformation age and enable their capabilities to, you know, we, we say our vision is to create a world where anyone can take their idea, their business ideas and put them into reality in minutes. And, and so that's really uh, our objective. Now, whether that be on a, a functional challenge like CRM or whether it be something completely different than I mentioned, that, that's quite all right. We've built a number of accelerators to help solve those real business pains and challenges and position our, our, our customers to be, uh, frankly, the uh, innovative ones of the future. Fantastic. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much, Andy, for, for your time and for talking to and being wanting to be a guest at the Mangtas Nation podcast. And we've learned a lot from this session, of course. It's great to have a, a buddy in the no-code revolution. <laughs> <laughs> We're banking on it. I mean, uh, our platform is growing quickly. Our user base is growing. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's helped us so far. And now, it, now we're really testing its limits, right? Uh, at what stage do we need to kind of, you know, how, how can we configure it further to make sure it uh, it's capable to support the scale that we're after? So that will be the next Amazing. Test. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if we can be of any assistance in that journey, you please let me know. We'll, uh, we'll make it happen. I really appreciate you having us on today. Thank you for tuning in to Mangtas Nation. Mangtas, the trusted marketplace for business services. To know more about us, follow us on our social media pages. Sign up as a client or sign up as a vendor and be part of this global B2B marketplace. Join us at www.mangtas.com.